I have an idea. Let's record a shitty intro. Just strum it. <laughs> This is the Zach and Akash show. <laughs> That's what Zach Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Zach and Akash show. A very special episode with our boy, Nick, talking about <laughs> Muay Thai. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's live. Okay. Yeah, we're live. Yeah, we're live. Right? We're live. <laughs> Welcome. So, everyone, this is Nick. I've known Nick since like four years ago. We met. And pretty much freshman year of college, we met, known him since then, worked together a lot. Like one of my first startups, I worked with Nick. He's an, he's an okay guy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. Nick's a Damn. great guy. He's here to talk about Muay Thai today. It's going to be a fun episode. I've known Nick for three years. My freshman year, but he was a sophomore. So there you go. At least we got younger. Oh, yeah. I'm meeting you for a couple I'm, of years. I'm, I'm a baby. <laughs> yeah. Akash, I think we met on the first day when I walked around and knocked on everyone's door like that. Overexcited freshman yeah. I was. No, you're you're my orientation, <laughs> I think. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. I remember <laughs> one time I, I saw Nick just serenading random people with his All roommate right. Christian. <laughs> good time. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, uh, just freshman things, you don't, you don't really uh, can't justify things. those behaviors anymore. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. yeah. I like to black well, that part of my life out. So for those of you who do not know, Nick, well, which is probably most of you, Nick's also a computer science student. That's how we met each other mostly. And so, so today it's just going to talk about how we got into Muay Thai. He's been fighting for the past couple of years. And we want to get into things like how that affected his life as a computer science student, if that's good for other engineers, people in general. And we're going to take a free flow from there. So, Nick, how did you get started with Muay Thai and why? Yeah. So before I talk about that, I'm going to talk about like what it is real quick, because I'm imagining that some people don't know what Muay Thai is. Mm -hmm. But um, if you guys think about like martial arts and like fighting or like if you watch UFC UFC specifically, Muay Thai is essentially that striking component of MMA where, you know, you throw punches, elbows, kicks, and knees. And then there's like a, a little bit of clinching, which is like standing up grappling and where you throw knees and elbows from close range. Um, but yeah, it has nothing to do with grappling, but it's a lot of like cardio and like striking based sport. Now, well, how I got into it was actually pretty interesting because uh, I'm sure a lot of kids relate to this. But high school is a frustrating time, and uh, <laughs> you get a little bit of uh, pent-up anger, and you want to take things out on stuff. So um, I first came in with the wrong mindset of, like, I just want to hit things and, like, kind of get out a little bit of stress and, uh, you know, anxiety from day-to-day life. But as I quickly learned, I was like, there's multiple types of martial arts. There's boxing, karate, whatever. And karate is great for discipline. Boxing is great as a workout and also, like, general self-defense. And then Muay Thai came up, and I was like, it immediately struck me as interesting because of the fact that, you know, um, it was extremely challenging, but there also was that karate style level of discipline where um, my, when I first started, the coach didn't let me, you know, just wail on people. It was like, they first check your ego at the door and then, you know, get your ass kicked a couple times. And then, you know, you realize that you know nothing. But um, when I started, I was like, okay, I just want to do this as a way of you know, stress relief, stress management, I guess, but it quickly evolved into like my main form of cardio. 
Um, and it was like great because you know, day to day life, you get to hit things. Like, how often can you say that? <laughs> Hell yeah. So, when exactly did you start? So, I started freshman year technically, so four years ago, but I will say when I first started, it was like because I had those, I used it for anger, and I realized I couldn't really use my anger there. I kind of gave up for a year because I was like, this is pointless. And then um, as sophomore year came around, I came back and I was like, no, I was, you know, a child back then. Finally became, I grew up a little bit, gained a little bit of maturity. And then I was like, at this point, I did want to do it for the self-defense aspect. Um, also how to learn and get that discipline of fighting. So sophomore year, I started uh, regularly doing it. So I believe that was once a week. And then after that, junior year, I started doing it about uh, two or three times a week. And then this past year, um, I went to a professional gym. And then I started training there, I believe, four to five times a week. And then during the school year, I did it four times a week. So. I remember when Nick first started at the professional gym. Uh, I was in California. He called me up. We were talking for a bit. He's like, gosh, I don't know if I can do it anymore. Like, they were working you the hell out, right? Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, when you train at UConn, um, I mean, it's, I guess it's true of like any small community. It's like the better you get at that small community, the more your ego rises and the more you feel like you're good. And then you get to the professional level where every, it's like, I went in the gym this summer and I believe I was one of the only people that didn't fight like professionally, like in the ring. And, you know, I went in and I was like, yeah, I, I know a lot. Like I learned a lot at UConn and then immediately got my ass handed to me by, <laughs> you know, like I was by far the worst person in the gym. And they trained me like the best people in the gym. So like if I gave up on a workout because I was quote feeling tired, they would just be like, no, that's not an excuse here. Like if you're going to show up to the class, you do the workout and like, you're going to push yourself and it's going to be hard because the, the sport is hard. It's not easy. So a lot of that, like it took a while to get used to. And Akash was right. May have called him once or twice crying, being like, God damn it. Like, I'm not sure if I could do this anymore. This is stressful, but yeah, I mean, it builds a certain level of resilience, I guess. Yeah, I definitely love that. Yeah, would, would you say that's like the primary discipline it teaches you? Just so resilience I, or what else does it teach you? Yeah, so I think it's different for like a lot of people, right? Um, for some people, it allows them to build their confidence in terms of like, I could be good at a sport and not necessarily, um, you know, do it since like a young age. Because a lot of these other sports like soccer, whatever, people are playing since they were like four or five, you know? And then you feel like, oh, there's no point in even trying in this sport because of the fact that like, you know, I didn't start from a young age, but then being able to do this sport in the U.S. especially, like people start when they're like 18, 19, 20, hell, even sometimes later, like 25, and they can still become competitive. So it's like, it gives them that confidence to uh, believe that they could actually do something amazing. Um, for me personally, it was the discipline of like knowing that if I push myself in one aspect and I could do it, then I could transfer that to other skills in my life. Like yeah, I might come into a job being the, the least intelligent person there. But if I push myself and I learn, I could grow past that. And obviously there's other like practical parts of that where it's like, you could use that as exercise. So like some people love using it just as their exercise. So like my brother recently, he used to do a lot of bodybuilding and powerlifting. And now he's like, you know, it's getting boring. So now he's trying to switch over to this Muay Thai style because uh, it adds a level of uh, change every day in terms of like, no workout is the same, you know, versus you go in the gym, you're going to hit your chest, your triceps, whatever. <laughs> and for the last one, I guess, like, I know this is a lot more common with girls, but like, it gives them a really good feeling of self-defense. And like, that's a great thing about this sport is like, 
uh, talking about someone that I know, Avni. She's a pretty like smaller person. And I could guarantee you now, like if she got in a dangerous situation, she could put up like a full ass grown, grown man on the ground, you know? <laughs> so it's like that confidence of like being able to stand up for what you believe in and like being, know that you can handle yourself in any situation. Very Hell cool. yeah, dude. Very cool. Akash, you were part of this club for a while, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I pretty much did Muay Thai for about a year. I started doing it on and off. And then for like last semester, not last, but last fall semester was the, I think the only semester I showed up consistently. And then this semester, again, when I went skiing, I injured my shoulder and I was squatting and injured my knees. So I pretty much couldn't kick or punch properly so i'm like i'm just not gonna show up and then yeah i haven't shown up since obviously but i don't know i've considered it and i think once so i'll be moving to seattle in november and once i move there once everything's back to normal i'm kind of settled in i'm considering signing up for a gym or something because i don't know if i'm going to go to your level and try to do competitive fighting or anything but i really do like you said i like it as a workout and usually I hate cardio and it was a much more fun way of doing cardio. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like with other sports, it's like, you kind of feel yourself working and you're like, damn, this kind of sucks. But like, uh, like I, I used to do swimming. So it's like, you know, when you're sitting at a black line for three hours, it's not great. But um, when you do this sport, it's like, you know, you could burn up to 1200 calories in a single hour. And like, it just feels like great. Cause you're hitting things. And it's like, this is like an exertion of energy, but it doesn't feel like you're, I guess, like doing the same monotonous task again and again. But yeah. Can you yeah. describe yeah. a typical fight in Muay Thai? A fight or a workout? Um, let's do a workout. You start with that. Okay. So <clears throat> I do want to preface this when I do talk about the fights later on. I'm not a fighter yet. I do just want to, okay. I want to get better and get good enough to do amateur level fights. So that's my goal, but haven't been there yet. But okay, let's talk about the workouts themselves. Um, I, the way that I ran it is a little bit different than the way other clubs run it. Cause obviously like each trainer has their own preference on how to, you know, do warmups and how to do technique work. But, um, the style that I found out that works best for me is we do a rather long cardio workout, uh, warmup where we run for about five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Um, following that we do a quick dynamic stretch. And then we also might do a little bit of calisthenics. So like, you know, jumping jacks, push-ups, squats, sit-ups, any variations of those. Um, we might also throw in some ladder work to work on agility. And that could be, you know, up to another 20 minutes of like rather low intensity cardio. Um, and then after that- we Low intensity. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not quite low intensity. It's, it's like, there's definitely some people that tap out after the warm up, but um, <laughs> But yeah, you do ladder work and then you finish it off with a little, a little bit of uh, shadow boxing, which is like fighting the air. Um, you envision a partner or like an opponent and you fight that. And that's just good for like working hand-eye coordination along with footwork. So um, the warm-ups typically last about 40 minutes, you know, in our club at UConn. Um, sometimes they last 30 if it's a shorter day. And then after that, we tell people to, you know, get their gloves on, whatever they need. Maybe take a sip of water if you need water. I mean, my, my saying has always been like water is a crutch, but that's just a joke. And then, yeah, like obviously people need it. Um, but then after that, we do about, I'd say like 10 to 15 minutes of pad work each person in a row. Um, it, sometimes it is more than that. Like they tend to be 
anywhere between three and five minute rounds of hitting the pad with 30 seconds rest. So that could be like extremely difficult, especially for a beginner. Um, if it's a beginner, we typically just say like, you know, try your best. Like if you need to rest in the middle of the set, you rest. But, you know, I try to push everyone to be uh, always hitting something. So like during those five minutes, it could just feel like hell. Um, and then you switch and then you work uh, the pad work with the other person. And then after that, we tend to do uh, some technique work. So that could be like, you know, throwing some shin pads and like practice on how to block kicks, block punches, how to counter, throw specific combos, et cetera. And then after all that, we do uh, what I call the burnout, which is just absolute hell. So that could be like, for some people, throw like a hundred straight punches on either side, a hundred hooks, a hundred uppercuts, or it could be like, you know, like a ladder or a pyramid in terms of kicks. So you go like 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 kicks, and then back down. It could be 200 sit-ups, et cetera. So like, it's just like extremely difficult just to like wear out the last bit of energy you have. And after that, if everyone's feeling good, or like if we call it the advanced, ses uh, advanced session after that, where if the people that are more advanced are feeling good still and want to keep going, we typically tell them to put on sparring gear. And then we do um, a couple rounds of like light sparring for about 20 minutes or so, maybe 30 minutes, where you work on like actually interacting with another person and getting hit. So, and that's obviously not mandatory for everyone. Um, it's really on the person's uh, comfort level. Like we're never going to force someone, like if Akash doesn't want to fight, I'm not going to be like, Akash, like spar me. And then whoops that. <laughs> starts <laughs> beating me up until yeah. I start fighting. Like Hell that's yeah. like messed up, obviously. <laughs> it's uh, a, yeah. our, our sparring sessions are invite only. So like you have to pass a certain threshold of skill. And then it also has to be like, we're not going to make you do it every day. If you don't want to do it, you just say like, I'm not going to do, do it today. And then we're just like, okay, that's fine. You know? Is that full contact sparring? Uh, so with sparring and Muay Thai, it's interesting. I'm pretty sure it's similar in other sports as well. But like we try to make it as safe as possible. So you wear 16 ounce gloves, which are like the heavier size gloves. And it's, you could do the punches, whatever you want. We do not throw any elbows because elbows obviously could lead to severe injuries, concussions, broken jaws, et cetera. Um, and then with knees, we typically don't let people do straight knees, which is essentially using the, the rounded part of your kneecap and like actually throwing it into people. Um, we typically allow uh, side knees. So like you use the inside of your thigh or the upper straight part of your thigh. Um, and then we also allow kicking and teeping. So that's like pushing with your feet or just kicking them in general. Wow. So almost all contact. Okay, cool just, stuff. Yeah. It's like pretty much, um, it's almost at, I guess, at the amateur level because I don't think that they could throw elbows either. But um, we also do it a lot less powerfully i guess is that a word i don't know we, we typically hit it like anyway yeah, low intensity yeah low intensity low intensity yeah. we uh we typically hit it like three to fifty percent power um and then if we decide to have a hard sparring day between some people you might go up to like 60 70 but it'll never be like you're trying to knock the other person out now when do you go over nine thousand? jesus <laughs> it's, a once in a, it's a once in a while type thing Akash. once in a while thing yeah. No. So Finals week. I think the fun <laughs> part about sparring is uh, when I I've only done it a few times, but when I did get into it, I noticed that everything I did in practice just went right out the window. I yeah. I, I hit that whole full like adrenaline rush mode, and I was just like, ah. yeah. That's a, it's funny because I think Mike Tyson was the one that said it. 
but he was like everyone has a plan or everyone knows what they're doing until they get punched in the face which is like so true because i mean i used to be one of these people like everyone used to be one of these people but you could do amazing work on the pads and then the second you get hit in the face the adrenaline comes you start to panic and you lose all form and then you just kind of just lose it but once you get uh, get a hold on it it becomes such a great feeling like that rush it's like there's nothing like it i love adrenaline (laughs) (laughs) you think getting punched in the face and then learning how to react in that situation learning how to react in a somewhat calm manner you think that carries over to other parts of life honestly yeah i mean so i think i mean so yeah i'd say yes definitely because yeah. It's, it's like you don't expect it coming and then when it does it hits you a lot worse than you expect it to be like when you say like oh you get, like take a little let's say a jab to the face you don't imagine it'll hurt that much but even then you know your eyes will start to water your nose might bleed it, it hits you a lot harder than you expect it to um but then you still have to learn to calm down and think logically and approach the situation with care and like confidence so I, i'd say that does apply in a lot of cases in life where like shit could come out of nowhere and hit you a lot harder than you expected to. Um, you know, that could be in any case, like look at this like current situation with coronavirus, right? Like we knew that the, at the start, like it was gonna be, you know, there's a, a virus spreading around and then all of a sudden it hits a situation where everyone's quarantined or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you literally just have to learn to sit down, take a step back, literally just look at it objectively, right? Like you could just, you could crash and burn and like freak out over this whole coronavirus thing. Or you could find out like, you know, how do I continue to live my life? Because that's what we should be doing. It's like, how do you continue to move forward knowing what you've already learned? Um, so I guess it's like a little bit of a stretch if you want to call it like that. But like, I mean, you could use it symbolically, I guess. Like this is kind of a punch mm-hmm. in the face. Um, and same thing with like at any job, you know, you might like get a project that you can't really, you're not confident in doing, but then you kind of have to sit, like take a step back and be like, all right, these are the things I know. Now, how do I move forward with this, right? Because in a fight, like, or like in a sparring session, that's all I could say, really. Um, you could be like, all right, I can't punch them anymore because their like legs are so fucking long and they keep me out of their range. So like, what do I do to break that? So mm. like, you kind of adapt to the situation given that like sometimes you might limit your tool set, you know? But, so it's like almost like quick problem solving under pressure. Yeah. Kind of cool. So the thing is like, it's weird because when you spar, it is like quick problem solving in the sense of like, you're trying to adapt to the situation so you can defeat your opponent, I guess. And sparring is not really defeating your opponent, but it's like still landing hits and like uh, reacting appropriately. In fights, it is defeating your opponent, obviously. Um, But it's more of like being able not to panic. It's learning that like you've been trained for situations and you will get through it as long as you don't panic. Because like the panic is like number one thing that like screws people up because you could even see in some amateur fights, like people's first time fighting, second time fighting, uh, like people know how to fight, but then all of a sudden they get the adrenaline rush and they like feel like it's hopeless. And then they end up just turtling up, which is like covering their face and like ducking down because they don't know what to do. But in reality, they've probably trained months and years for this. And like, they really honestly know what to do. They just got to actually have confidence themselves to like execute it properly and not panic. But, wow. Yeah. I'm not at that point yet. I'm not going to okay. say <laughs> But it's like, I, I watch a lot of the sport because of the fact that like, I love it so much. And I watch a lot of amateur fights um, and it is something that you see a lot. And obviously it's easier said than done, but you know, it is one of those key core parts of fighting, I guess. 
for sure, dude. Yeah, and I know to get a level up, you're going to go before all this quarantine, you're going to go train in Thailand, right? Yeah, so originally before this whole um, quarantine thing happened, the goal is to backpack Europe and like while backpacking, find a couple gyms on the way and train and then spend a whole month in Thailand training at one of the, the key gyms. Um, like that was going to be such a great experience, but then obviously given this whole situation, traveling has become a lot more difficult and, you know, let's just call it irresponsible. Um, so obviously I'm not going to be traveling around a lot. However, at the place I'm staying at in UK, we have, um, punching bags and like my girlfriend has tie pads and whatever that we could work with. So I still get to work with like, you know, sparring work and bag work and stuff. So I still am sharpening the skills, but once I move to Boston, I have a gym that I'm looking at um, to go train at because of the fact that like from all the reviews and personal testimonies from friends, they're amazing. And I, I can't wait to train there. Nice dude. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Cause you'll finally have a place on like college where you get to stay in one place for a long time and get used to that area and get used to the environment. So I think you'll like it there. Yeah. Honestly, on a side conversation, yeah, like I'm actually really excited because of the fact that like there's not going to be many days where I'm working at like 1 a.m. anymore. <laughs> and waking up at six the next day. Damn. Yeah. Sorry, Zach. You got another year of that. I know. <laughs> Very exciting. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to working. I'm not going to call it a nine to five. Let's call it like an, I don't know. Let's say 830 to like 530, maybe, maybe longer. Who knows? But at least it's hours and I at least have my weekends off. It's not like, you know, work from. Yeah, once it's done, it's done. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to I tell everyone? Allergy medicine. Don't worry about me. Okay. Do you want to tell everyone where you're working or should he? Oh, um, yeah, I can talk about my work. One second. Cool, cool. Sorry, I realized I forgot to take my allergy medicine and I'm like slightly congested. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm working at this company called Slalom. It's in Boston Consulting. I'll be working uh, within the Salesforce cohort. So, I'm going to be learning a lot about Salesforce development and uh, the general Salesforce um, platform and hopefully get good enough at that where I go to companies and I help them as like a consultant. But I believe how it works like the first year or two or a couple of years, you um, are an analyst. And then as you learn more and more and more, you eventually rise to the ranks of a consultant, which is like you do know a lot more than other people. Cool. So yeah, what do you do? Time. Do you get to travel a lot as a consultant? So typically at companies like uh, Deloitte and other ones, I really can't think right now. I can't think of the other names, but uh, um, they do typically send you off to consult at different places around the world or country. Um, but specifically the model that I liked about Slalom was that they wanted to keep you local um, because it tends to be uh, a different crowd of people that want to work in consulting, but also don't want to travel all the time. Right. Um, cause I, I do want to stay around Boston. I, like you said, there is a benefit of like staying in one place and working there and like knowing that area. And, um, I do obviously want to go around at some points in my life, but I'd rather have more of a say, like, let's say I, I was, they were going to send me off to San Francisco. I'd rather make that choice myself and be like, I'm going to move to San Francisco and take a job instead of being, so you still have the option to do it if you want to. Um, I believe if, some point down the line, if I wanted to, I don't imagine that, like, let's say I want to go to, I don't know, if they have an office in San Fran, I might, if I wanted to just be like, I want to go to San Fran. I plan on moving there. I'm sure they would make it work. I haven't talked to them about that. Cause honestly, in the close future, I have no plans of moving. 
probably gotcha, yeah. yeah i love boston it's like amazing city beautiful people beautiful nightlife like love it but zach what are you doing this summer that's me teleporting in the video uh yeah i'll be i'll be working for um better place for us uh i start in about two weeks so june 1st okay not bad software dev yeah all remote um i probably have to figure out how i'm gonna get on their time i have to start at like 11 finish at like 7 p.m which is gonna be weird but yeah that's not fun just like software dev um probably a bunch of e-commerce stuff oh that's that's pretty interesting actually should be a fun time yeah akash and you said you're starting in november (laughs) 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 yeah i'm yeah, because the plan was, again, originally Nick and I were supposed to backpack around Europe, so I wanted plenty of time for that and then plenty of time to spend with people at home. But it looks like I'm going to be spending all the time at home with family and friends. Or like, Pretty much it's going to end up being like, what, five months of it. But I think, yeah, mid-October, I'm going to end up moving to over to Washington, yeah. Seattle. And uh, we'll see how that goes with that. But hopefully everything's returned somewhat back to normal by then yeah we'll see we'll see right um to kind of make it uh to bring it back to muay thai real quick if you are interested in training i do think that like they will be associated with the other gyms so when gyms open they also might open the muay thai gyms from like you know a couple sources i read here and there of course the sources i'm reading are from like the the states that are like just opening up everything anyways (laughs) but um okay that's fair yeah yeah, but I do imagine that like at some point in the summer, if you are looking to train either in Seattle or whatever, um, they're definitely, I, I think they, they probably will open. Because like realistically speaking, you can't tell a business to close down for seven months out of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, hopefully. Yeah, gyms are taking, I don't know how big a hit are gyms taking right now? Because if you think about it, I'm pretty sure some people are still paying for them. They just forgot they had a gym membership. Yeah, so I actually don't know because... It could be that some gyms, I know like a lot of Muay Thai gyms are hosting virtual training right now. So it's like you turn your webcam and they like coach you through there, which obviously isn't as good. But other gyms, I imagine that their cost, like their daily cost of operation probably isn't that high in terms of like, once you get the equipment, you're kind of chilling. Like what what else do you need? Some cost. Yeah. 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 They obviously have rent and stuff, but I don't know exactly how their business model works, but I, I know that some places are refunding people money for their gym memberships because they can't use it. Oh, I see, I see. So that's the part that I'm thinking, like they might actually be facing tough times because of that, like if they are refunding people money. For, for and, sure. And if not, I think that's kind of a- It's shady, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some of their business models for like uh, other gyms where it's like, you hope they forget and don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I won't, I won't yeah. name the one, but there's one that like- they had a few. Like half the, I believe like half their- um gym members are people that just like pay and never show up <laughs> there, happens, there's yeah. also this one where genius model every monday they serve you pizza at oh. the gym oh, oh, oh gosh we're talking about the same one <laughs> that planet fitness yep yep <laughs> God damn. Song, yes. yeah oh, God. Yo, dude the funniest thing is i remember when walking into one for the first time i saw the first thing i saw was above a huge ass alarm and light called the hunk alarm yeah for anyone who's too loud or takes their shirt off or something wears something to reveal like, what the hell is this <laughs> you know just I, stay small i got kicked out of one 
before. Oh no. Were you a hunk? For what? The hunk alarm. Dude, it was like, <laughs> Did the, they sound it? <laughs> I believe it was either a clean or a deadlift. It was one or the other. And like, I'm letting the weight down as quietly as I can. But when you're like pulling up like hundreds of pounds and like you're working at, let's say even like 70, 80% of your, your one rep max, you know, you can't put that down as quietly as you could put down, I don't know, a pair of five pound dumbbells. <laughs> and like, I set it off and they're like, can you set it on quiet, like quieter? And I was like, I mean, I could try, but like no guarantees. <laughs> and then a couple more times later, it's like, peace out, dude. So <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Dude, how, how are you even able to do cleans there, man? Because the one I went to, they didn't even have three barbells. All they had were the Smith machines. Yeah, ours had uh, ours had barbells. Wow. All right, well, I didn't right. imagine that they would have a gym without barbell. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Yeah. Well, I guess they're so popular that a lot of people still go to them. Yeah, it's a very interesting business model. Yeah. I won't say much All about right. it. <laughs> 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 oh. I did. So, taking it back to Muay Thai, why did you want to go to Thailand to learn? Yeah, so a huge part of training in Thailand versus training in other parts of the world is you get to really experience like the so obviously Muay Thai originated in Thailand. Um, but like you get to experience the culture around it and it's a lot bigger there than it is anywhere else in the world. So like pretty much everyone there, I mean that could be a little bit of a generalization, but like everyone knows what that sport is, everyone knows at least a little bit how to defend themselves, and a huge part of it is cultural and they it's when you become there, you become immersed in that culture where every, everyone's mm. teaching you the respect that is associated with the sport. Um, you know, like a huge part of their economy is based on it. So like when people go out to drink, it's like you go to bars, you watch a live Muay Thai fight or like you go out and do, I don't know, runs on the beaches because everyone's running on the beach because they're all training for their fights and like training for their, their gym. So, so it's, it's like basketball of, or football there. Yeah. It's like an absolute huge sport there. It's like our, our football. Yeah. But um, it's even more crazy because like people actually get involved mm. with it. It's not like a football because like, a lot, I mean, I'm not going to like say a lot of people in the U.S. don't play football, but a lot of people watch football that don't play it, right? Mm -hmm. And in Thailand, I argue that like a lot of people in Thailand at some point in their lives have trained that sport and know like, because they, they train at like ages of five and six, you know, like it's like, wow, yeah, they start young. But um, it's also great because like whenever you go to a beach town, like let's say like I want to go to Phuket, um, I can sit on the beach and like, there will be a lot of people just like casually training on the beach or like running around. So like, you're just immersed in the sport in its wholeness. And honestly, a huge thing for me is like, I would love to train Muay Thai on a beach. Cause like, why not? And then proceeding <laughs> at, at, in the same night, like go out for drinks at a bar and watch a fight. Like that just sounds like a perfect lifestyle to me. And it's also a huge like spiritual thing of like, they also do a lot of yoga there at night times. So like, or like in the morning. So it might be like you wake up early and you do some meditation or yoga and then you go train and then all the days you do whatever and you come back and train again at night. So it's like, it's a way to really immerse yourself in it and get really good in a short period of time. Gotcha. Do you, do you currently meditate? Um, depends what you mean by meditate. <laughs> so like, okay. some, some of these days, my brain just turns off and I go sit outside and stare at the, the sky for a good like couple minutes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I do. I, I don't really meditate like, um, actively, I guess. Like I don't sit down and be like, I'm going to meditate today. It's more of like, I do meditative activities. So I like going on like light jogs nowadays. I might run for like two and a half, three miles and just like 
space out completely, listen to some music, and just think about other stuff. Um, there also are times, like I said, where I just sit outside and stare at the sky, or like I yeah. with my dogs for a long time and think about nothing else. Yeah. As, yeah, I've noticed that especially after a jog or run, when you sit down all tired, that's a really good time to just blank out and meditate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you actively meditate? I did for a couple weeks. Now I'm kind of doing it on and on. Like a couple weeks, I was doing it every day. And while I was doing it, I wasn't really noticing too many benefits. And even when I stopped, I don't think I did it long enough to a point where when I stopped, I didn't notice many benefits either. But what it did help me do is it did help me practice meditation. So whenever I get a little anxious or something like that, now I'm able to calm myself down pretty quickly through meditation, just bring focus back. Yeah, that's awesome. I honestly think meditation is whatever you make of it. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. I know people that are like, that's how they deal with their anxiety and stress. Some people use it as like a way to answer their life questions of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Zach, do you yeah, I, I use other things for that. Yeah, I usually, yeah. <laughs> I usually um, Jesus, I usually do a meditation after a workout in the morning. So like um, yesterday I went on a jog and then I did a meditation. Um, it, it just helps to like be able to be aware of your thoughts and stuff keeps me like yeah. chill for the most part um that's how i maintain that i noticed like during these times it's actually really good for like leveling yourself because like it's really easy to like get stressed on day-to-day activities especially with coronavirus like you have no certainty in your life mm-hmm. but then just sitting down and meditating for a good like 10 20 minutes it's like wow now you're you're leaving it and you feel fine and it feels like just another day and like you could go about your day and you know yeah, not feel like breaking down. <laughs> no, this is like the best time to start because there's there's really no distractions. Um, it's like, you know, I call it like a mancation where you like leave society for a bit and then it's just you and your thoughts. So it's like, yeah, this is like Absolutely. the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Um, Akash, like other uh, talking about like meditative activities as well. Like, I will also argue that like Muay Thai is one of them for me because it's like when you really? when you are just like hitting pads. I, I'm not sure if it just happens to me, but if it happens to you as well, where you just zone out and you're just like throwing shit because like you hit it and you feel the contact throughout your entire body and then you just kind of pull it back. But you don't really like, there's not much going on up here when I do it, you know, I kind of just like <laughs> automatically fired off. But just go full animal mode. Into the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think you have to get comfortable enough with it. Maybe now for me too, if I just randomly just start hitting something like my form probably won't be right but maybe i could see that being a little meditative but especially once you've done it for a while and you built up the form and everything when you start doing that you definitely see how you just zone out yeah well i wouldn't necessarily call it zoning out it's more of like uh you guys know how like meditation is like mindfulness like one of them one of the benefits of it it's like that's kind of what it is right it's like you could change your kick by like i don't know 10 degrees in the angle of what you kick from and like Uh, okay like you are aware that you're doing it from that different angle because it feels different in your body but like in terms of like brain active brain power it's not much going on but like it's like feeling that difference in your body and like going about it i guess so it's like building intuition for it too yeah type of thing yeah intuition muscle memory whatever you want to call it yeah see i definitely didn't get to the point where i can tell the difference between a 
10 degree kick or whatever because i was too busy keeping my balance when i was kicking <laughs> <laughs> yeah that does happen yeah but uh, well sorry, we usually ask us in the beginning or we totally forgot today we asked us about well, guess what what have you been up to in quarantine um, so what's your quarantine routine been like so it's honestly been changing so much like it's 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 crazy because like when i was in school my quarantine was like pretty weird because i woke up at like 9 30 10 o'clock because i don't have two classes a week for 30 minutes each one and uh i felt like that was enough so i like did nothing most of the day but maybe walked my dogs like two to three hours a day and then just like did my school work and i did nothing for the rest of the time but um since school it's actually been helping me a lot with like my routine so like i typically nowadays i wake up at 7 30 sometimes 7 maybe 6 30 depending on how i feel and then i get up i have breakfast and do whatever and then normally I sit down at my computer right after that. And I, believe it or not, I, I code. Like I have a, a project that I work on now with uh, my buddy, Matt Yang, and a few others, Tyler and Richie. And it's a startup that we're working with uh, in regards to food waste and just like overall data management and analytics. So I've been like pushing myself in new, new aspects there. So I've been waking up coding, either working on an application or taking an online Udemy class. So I've taken um one that had to do with machine learning and big data and all that stuff recently um really fun stuff recommend it if you haven't done it yet but um after i finished that that uh udemy course i worked on this front end app with the startup group and then since then i'm actually still working on it i'm working a lot with aws i normally do that until about mm -hmm. 10 30 11 o'clock and then i go for a run and then i i run for about uh anywhere between one and a half and three miles depending on how i feel that day and then i come back I walk my dogs for another 20 to 30 minutes and then I have lunch. And after I have lunch, I typically code again till about four or five. And then I do Muay Thai for, uh, uh, with my brother for an hour to an hour and a half. And that's another point of exercise in the day. And then I come back, I have, I call my girlfriend, obviously FaceTime for a little bit. And then I normally have dinner, come back, code again, and then watch movies or TV until I, passed out at like 11 o'clock so yeah really speaking of tv uh last airbender you've been catching up Hell on that yeah i have not been <laughs> i probably should i'm re-watching agents of shield for the third time <laughs> for the third time dude i remember when you're watching that again the second time yeah i know the new but i do get why you're doing it though because for every season i forget what happened and yeah. i have to like do a catch up every time that's literally what it is. It's like they're about to release a new season. I'm like, I don't remember what happened in the last three seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but as I watch it, it's like I know what happens, obviously. But Chloe Bennett's Bay, so you can watch that as many times as you want. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> but um, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, no, my my schedule has been fairly consistent. There is, to be honest with you, one time a week where I. So I know that, like, obviously with social distancing, everyone's like stay the fuck home and like never leave your house but in my opinion and like i think generally speaking it makes sense like i think if i go i, I typically go visit friends once a week but it's not like in an enclosed area i normally sit outside and like we stay like distanced and we just sit around and chat because it's like one of those things of like we all socially distance for the entire week and then it's like there's that one time a week we get a little bit of social interaction and like yeah i'm not sure if you guys have been doing that like I noticed that like it's been extremely helpful for like leveling my mental health and like making sure that I don't like go crazy 
being isolated from everyone. Yeah, I do like yeah, Discord. That's, that's my main. Because <laughs> everyone's so far away. And uh, th- this kind of does it for me too. Every day, just every morning. I definitely yeah. get some interaction throughout this. And yeah, I've been slowly, especially the past couple of weeks, I've been going out a little bit more. Like we did a campfire one day outside with a few friends. And it's been pretty good because I know that everyone else has been quarantined. So yeah, I think that's an important part, making sure that everyone in the group has been quarantined or else then it can get a bit dicey if they have. Yeah. I, uh, I was talking to a couple of friends and they were saying that like, it's crazy that people are going out at all. And I think people are misconstruing what scientists say about social distancing. Like it's not social isolation. It's not like you should stay home 24 seven and never leave the house for any reason, no matter what. Cause I, I know people that literally haven't left their house since March 16th. Like not even like they get groceries delivered and everything. Or why you got to add Zach like that? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Zach. No. Nah. No, I went out like oh. yesterday. It's awesome. Yeah, dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my new favorite pastime is going on walks with the dogs and yelling at the neighbors from across the street and having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I vibe with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I-, I think this has been a good time also for people to get in touch with nature too because I've noticed like me included, a lot of people have been getting more into hiking is exploring nature and all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually think so too. I think that like people always make excuses like, oh, I would hike more if blah, 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 blah. I would do this more if blah, 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 blah. And now it's like literally that perfect time of like, for most people that aren't working, this is that time to do that. Like if you said that you would want to go hiking, like but school stops you from doing that. Nowadays, like you could hike and like go with your dog, go with your family or whoever you live with. And like that's perfectly fine. You go outside for like three hours a day, and you know you're chilling. But yeah, that's another thing, man. This uh, this whole Corona thing's calling out people who are like, "Oh man, if I had more time, I'd do this. If I had more time, I'd do that." <laughs> and this happening, and they're not doing shit. Yeah, I mean, at the start, originally, I understood how people could be like extremely stressed and whatever about it, because like to be honest, I was at that point too. It's like when you are forced to stay inside and you can't interact with friends, that does have a mental health toll. But at this point, we're what, two months in? Like, I think that most people at this point should be moving on to the point of like, how can I make my life livable again? And like, again, like it is saying that like people said, I would do this if I had more time. It really does call them out because like now you've had two months of having free time and you should be able to do the stuff you want to. But obviously I understand that's different for each person. And like, yeah, Yeah, it's not going to say it's easy for everyone. First two weeks are rough. Like spring break and then the week after, those were pretty yeah. rough. Those are really rough. Yeah. Hell, for me, it was the first month, dude. I was like, I didn't leave my bed some days because I was like, there's no way. <laughs> but yeah. honestly, I haven't, just, yeah, I haven't left the house because I'm just. Yeah, I haven't left the house because I'm just lazy. Like, this is like normal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's really funny. Um, yeah, it's funny because like my brother, too, he's like, yeah, this is like, it's different because I can't go to friends' houses, but like, I mean, all he does is play League of Legends, Overwatch, and other games all day. So, like, he's fucking sitting inside playing till 3 a.m. anyways. So, like, who cares? Yeah. But, well, how do you think being at home and just training at home, you think that's impacted your Muay Thai routine at all? So, it's weird. Um, I definitely train more frequently now when I'm at home because, like, my brother, and he's 
I mean, he typically went to the gym six times a week and I would train four times a week and go to the gym four times a week. So like, this has just been our filler for like exercise, but I'm not sure if it's better or not because the first couple of weeks I had to train him because he uh, only did Muay Thai once a week for like two months. So like he said eight sessions to do it, you know? Um, so I had to train him on like how to actually hold pads and how to do everything there. But he's been getting a lot better at holding pads and like being a workout buddy. But I will say it kind of really sucks to train at home because of the fact of like, so I'm in the basement where we have the most amount of space in the house and we have to train down here. And Akash, I'm sure you know this, but your Muay Thai gear gets really smelly after you start using it a lot. <laughs> and like when I'm training here and sweating all over my floor and then I have my Muay Thai gear in the same room as the place that I sleep, it kind of just smells a little bit. So it kind of sucks. And then also, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. And also the floor is like cement and we train barefoot. So like, you know, slapping my feet on cement kind of bruises the bottom of my feet daily. But, you know, builds up my pain tolerance, I guess. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> That's not more resilient. Yeah. It makes you tougher. But. So Nick, say I am, I don't know, me right now. But except I have never done Muay Thai before, absolutely nothing, which is pretty much the case for me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> how how should I get started? Or you know, anyone who's in that position, they want to get started. Any basic tips? So I guess the first question I'd have is like, what's your budget? Because for my personal way that I recommend people to start right now, if they really are interested in it, is reaching out to these gyms that are doing virtual sessions. Because in reality, like the coaches there are still phenomenal coaches. Like I'm going to give a shout out to my, my coach down in Stanford, like uh, Estevez Muay Thai. Um, he, he is really good at training. And it seems like he's doing a collaborative session with uh, Seton Gym in New York. But like, it seems that they're doing great in their, um, you know, nightly trainings at 6 p.m. And people are enjoying it a lot. But you do have to pay for those sessions. Like I said, you know, it might be discounted. I don't really know. Or it might be like $10 per session. Regardless, you know, if you have the money to do so, I'd recommend doing that. If not, I would say, let's say you want to go like the completely free route. It'll be extremely hard, but I guess like I'd recommend starting off by looking at YouTube because it's a great resource. There's a lot of different videos online of like how to shadow box, how to throw jabs, crosses, hooks, knees, whatever. So like it does require a little bit of knowledge about the sport, but you could probably mm -hmm. look up something like intro to Muay Thai or like Google training Muay Thai alone, et cetera. And a lot of it will be shadow boxing. Um, my personal favorite is if I'm training alone, if I have a heavy bag, that will make life a lot easier because I actually have experience to hit something. But again, if you want to go the free route, um, a lot of basements have a column to hold up their entire house. And uh, if you want to wrap that in a lot of towels and like hit it lightly, obviously don't whack it as hard as you can because they'll knock down your entire house. It's but Jesus. like- well, obviously, maybe not. Small price to pay. Yeah. I mean, it depends how strong you are, right? Jesus like, That'd but be a story. I, yeah. I've been hitting mine, like, pretty lightly, like, just tapping it, just to practice, like, having contact with something. But what about it's a all about, like, whatever you want to make of it. Because I guess, for me, like, it's never as satisfying as, like, actually hitting something. So I'd say recommend getting a bag or, or a partner to train Muay Thai with. Nick, what about a what tree? What about a tree? Yeah. Put pillows around it. Wait, what'd you say? Like a tree. Yeah. So actually I saw my, uh, the coach that comes to UConn, um, he actually hung his heavy bag up to a tree and just started whacking it directly. Cause he had a heavy bag, but no stand. So he just started whacking oh, gotcha. it. Um, but if you do have a tree in reality, if you have like high density foam or something like that, 
you could wrap your tree in it and then just train using the tree. Um, but the thing is, uh, it really depends on your situation. As long as it's something vertical and you could hit it, I recommend that as, like, as a pretty good stand, I guess. But, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, well, we are getting to the last 10 minutes-ish of the show, so any final thoughts, Nick? Um, yeah, I guess I'll say a couple. I think that like if anyone's ever interested in like the sport, I would say, or like let's say martial arts in general, I'd definitely say that it's worth it to just dip your feet in it and come to like a week's worth of practices and then make your decision of whether or not you like it. Because I've met specifically a lot of um, a lot of females, women that like want to learn how to fight. But the thing is they're terrified because they're like the 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 mentality around fighting is like you have to be a big ass guy and like be aggressive and like you want to kill things like that's not what it is right um granted there are sports like that but i do say that like for the most part a lot of sports if you want to talk about like boxing uh bjj mma uh, muay thai etc they're very accepting of like beginners because they want to share the love of their sport with other people and also it's extremely practical because it teaches you self-defense skills and i honestly think that like for most women out there like it is extremely valuable to learn that nowadays because it's just like, it's that confidence to know that you can't defend yourself at any, any time. And um, I mean, it's definitely really fun. It's my favorite pastime, Akash. I know over the last year, like it started becoming one of your uh, more liked pastimes. And then <laughs> for pretty much every person that I put into the, the club, they pretty much all ditched their gym habit to do this because it's just more fun for them. Like my brother quit his powerlifting habit because he's like, this is more fun. So, um, I definitely recommend doing that if you guys want to look for something new in terms of like cardio. And obviously same thing with any like health goals, weight loss, uh, building strength, toning, um, <laughs> et cetera. Like this is probably the sport if you just want to like do any of that. But yeah, that's pretty cool, much my thoughts. Awesome. Do you have like a closing section for your podcast of like, you know, now we're going to do this little fun game. <laughs> oh, you want to? We don't. We should. I don't know. Like, i all right. Ask him a hard question. A what? <laughs> Ask him a hard question we've tried to answer before. Oh, God. It's not putting me on the spot here. Ask him a hard question. What's a hard <laughs> question? No, like, wait, wait. What's a question we've, like, discussed before that, like, we couldn't answer? Like, I guess yesterday Where's was, like... Where's the economy going in? <laughs> <laughs> yesterday was, like... Oh, I would love you... to have a conversation with that. <laughs> yesterday was, like, UBI, and I was, like, I don't know. Oh yeah, I have not Nick, looked into it. What are your thoughts on UBI? So I did some more research after our show yesterday, and I looked at some negative aspects of it. There wasn't many, but the main argument was against Yang's claim that if people had more money, they would be able to do more jobs that they were passionate about. But there's already people in similar situations where they're getting some aid who aren't doing more jobs they're passionate about, and people are afraid that people at UBI, they would just leave their job and they they would lose purpose. And that was the main argument. Yep. So I've heard the argument before. Um, as you guys know, I'm a huge Yang fan. Uh, <laughs> my, my presumption with that is that it is hard to test this theory in a society where your worth is determined by how much you make. So like, for example, it's harder for a lot of people to be like, I like this job. And even though I'm going to make less doing it, like, let's say like Andrew Yang gives you 12,000 a year, right? Um, and just that one person, it's hard for them to switch their jobs because it's like 
society will still judge me for it. So there's that social influence of like, people are still going to judge you for doing that. And then also right now, because it's not mandated by government, that funding could go away at any second. You could just fuck yourself for the next couple of years, you know? So I believe that once it's mandated across a large scale, then people are going to be more willing to do those tasks with lower income. Um, and a huge part of like Yang's proposal is that like, they're not giving you enough UBI to just live off of. So like, I'm not going to just quit my job and play League of Legends for you know, 18 hours out of the day, <laughs> like realistically speaking, it'll be 12,000 a year. And maybe as a student, I might be able to do that. But like the second that you become an independent, you can't afford rent and groceries and utilities off $12,000 a year, unless you live in, I don't know, like Utah, but like, <laughs> um, so I think that it would still force people to work, but the difference is it would force people, like it would allow people the option of working and doing something that they want to do. So recently, my, uh, my family friend, um, his dad has been getting close to retirement age, let's call it. Um, and he quit his job as a truck driver working, I think like 60 hours a week. And now he's doing gardening where he's making half of what he was making, but because he saved up over his career, he's actually enjoying it and he's still working. Um, and that's what I imagine most people will do once you know, a UBI is implemented. I'm not sure if it will be. But I do think that that's definitely a good idea for society. Uh, of course, given that it doesn't cause mass inflation. Like, if it does, then that's another problem. But, like, as it currently stands, that part of the equation is, like, a bit unclear. And I think the only way we could test that is by trial and error. Oh, yeah. I also saw, I didn't look deep into it, but they are doing tests here and there. And most tests have been getting canceled worldwide. They've been doing little sample sizes of UBI. But I, yeah, I guess that's what we need to pretty much narrow down the equation, see if it could work before we implement it large scale. Yeah. I mean, if I could honestly talk about like the economy and like what I imagined would be a good way of doing this is like, as Andrew Yang puts it, turn the clock forward. So like right now with the coronavirus, it's actually, in my opinion, going to push this type of message across. But like right now, people are losing their jobs across many different sectors because they're not considered essential. Like their jobs can be automated away or they just don't have to be done. So like, I think that if we continue with this mindset of like auto automate away as many jobs as you can, we're not going to bring those jobs back. You know, financially speaking, once you invest in a robot, you're not going to sell the robot so you can hire another person, you know, unless like the person does a job a lot better. Well, like let's say for burger flippers or like, um, you know, once you have self-driving trucks and delivery cars, delivery drones, at that point you're down millions of jobs. And you can't just like create jobs that do the same. Like you can't replace those robots once they already have the jobs, you know? So mm -hmm. we're going to have to find some sort of alternative to that solution, uh, to that problem. And um, I honestly think you guys can be a way to do it because we have shortages of jobs in terms of like volunteering. So like we need more volunteers pretty much always. We need more people working in the green sector to help clean up oceans, clean up whatever, uh, replant forests, et cetera. And I think that this is a really good way to get people to volunteer for it. Because realistically speaking, those jobs aren't going to pay that much, but with a UBI, it's a livable salary. I see, gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. We'll see how that works. Well, that's I nice. guess that was, that's our new segment. Tough the UBI. Oh, the, I thought you were just like, we make question. everyone talk about UBI. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a tough um, question. But uh, let's go. Cool. Oh, Nick, thanks for joining us, buddy. It's been fun. Of course. How many viewers do we have? One more time. Uh... 
We were what? jumping between like five. 16 three people to five-ish. tuned in. I saw David Noble saying that he was going to tune in, and I was like, awesome. He might be here. <laughs> I don't know. He, We'll see. You'll probably get a good like 10 viewers offline on like Spotify and stuff. You guys are on Spotify? Yeah, we're on everything. Yeah, dude. Spotify, nice. Apple Podcasts. Well, I guess that Google. brings us to the oh, yeah. closing segment. <laughs> Zach, Zach, you're pointing it today, so point uh, yeah. at it. Yeah, it's right, right there. there. And it's down so we're there. on Apple Podcasts. Wait, Spotify, Nick, point down. Point Google down. Podcasts. Yeah. Side, this side. Yeah, like right. Point down. I'll point uh, up. Just. <laughs> I mean, that's all our stuff, guys. Also, if you want to reach out to us, say hi, at the Zach and Akash show on Instagram too. So hit us up, and we're the Zach and Akash show on YouTube. For those of you listening, come join us live one of these days. It'll be fun to have you. And. Thanks for buddy John. We also have a clips channel now. So if you want to just be some highlights, if you don't have as much time, come check out the clips channel. Zach and Akashio Clips. And again, for those of you watching, you saw all the links all around. So go click on them, have fun. And for those of you who want to be reminded of this, if you tend to forget something like this happening, then consider joining our mailing list. The link is down in the description on YouTube. Is it do we put in the description for the anchor to Zach? I don't think anchors in there, but I could I could have it. Let me check. No, 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 like the mailing list. Oh yeah, the mailing the mailing list. Oh no, it's not. I can add that. Just say it's there. I'll add it right after the show. All right. Well, for those of you listening, hopefully Zach's added it at the end of the show. So sign up. We're not currently doing too much with the mailing list yet, but we're gonna start off with just some notifications and then. We're going to build it up into like a weekly newsletter in a bit. So stay tuned for that and a bunch of general channel updates coming using that. So with that said, thank you for watching as always. And we will see you tomorrow live at 9 a.m. All right. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Everybody wave. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye. (laughs)